we are journeying through the seven utterances of Christ on the cross. And today here in Luke chapter 23, in verse 46, it says, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. And this is the last of the things that Jesus said. We know, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The first thing, then to the uh, to the thief. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Second thing, to his mother, woman, behold thy son. In regards to John, John, behold thy mother. The third thing, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The fourth thing that he said, I thirst. The fifth thing, it is finished. Um, the, the the sixth thing, and here this morning, the seventh thing that he says. And this is the picture of him. He's died in our place. Not only died for us, he's died as us. The iniquity of us all was laid upon him. And in those three hours of darkness, his communion with the Father was broken. It was there in the beginning when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. It's now on the last saying, restored, Father, into thy hands. But there in that darkness, he cried, he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now that has been restored and we watch him die. He died for us. Now he dies as us to set a precedent, to teach us, to show us. And look, it's a question for all of us. You know, Warren Wearsby said, we're not really prepared to live unless we are prepared to die. I mean, how can we live in this world with war, this world with pandemics, this world with prejudice and hatred and murder and bloodshed? How can we live if we're not prepared to die? How can we live the way we should if we're not expecting that blessed hope in our lives individually, if Christ comes for us or if we, if we pass from this world, if that's our anchor, then we can live the way we should because we know this is a pilgrimage. Personally, I can't imagine personally getting up every morning and, and getting a cup of coffee and sitting with the Lord and doing my devotion to him and uh, reading through passages of scripture that I'm working through, his presence becomes real. So often there's tears in my eyes. I just have to stop and close my eyes. He's there. I can't imagine. We, we can't live the way we should unless we're prepared to die. We're not really prepared to live unless we're prepared to die. Billy Graham said this, Am I living as I should wish I had lived when I come to die? Am I living as I wish I had lived when I come to die? When it comes to die, are we just going to say, Lord, I should have done this. Lord, I should have. Lord, I, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I didn't, you know. He, he, great challenge. Am I living as I shall wish I had lived when I come to die? And look, people die, no doubt, in much the same way as they live. If, it, if it's not natural for a person to commune with the Lord, to spend time with him in his word, 
yielding to his spirit, if, if it's unnatural for him to do that, then it's little chance that they will commune with him in their hour of death. They're going to die the way that they lived. And you and I, we know this. Death is an appointment. It's not an accident. Death is an appointment. And if the Lord tarries, every one of us in the room will make that appointment. His timetable. The scripture says that it's appointed on the man wants to die. It's an appointment. The scripture tells us that we're born when we're supposed to be born and that we pass out of this world when we're supposed to pass out and that it's all written in his book ahead of time. So for you and I, there's a blessedness in that. The unbeliever can say, well, that's not fair. Well, then get saved. There's nothing fair about this. You shouldn't get to heaven for you to go to heaven. It's not fair, but you can go because it's not fair because Jesus paid the price. If you're listening on the radio or you're somewhere finding this on the app or something, you have to ask yourself that question. You're going to face death. Look, for every 100 people born, 100 people die. That's just, just, just the, the, it doesn't matter whether we're killed on a battlefield or whether we die as a child or whether we die of a disease. Death is total in every generation. How will we die? And as we watch the Lord here, we see this death is an appointment, as ours is as well. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke put it in front of us, saying that he cried out with a loud voice. They all want us to know that. He had cried out when he said, it is finished. And now he cries out again, Father, into thy hands do I commend my spirit, not because God was hard of hearing, not because he's thinking, I got to cry this out, Father, so you hear. He cried it out so that the bystanders that were there would hear him cry that out. He cried it out so, so that it would be put to the page and passed down through the history of the church. He cried it out so that you and I might hear it in our hearts this morning. Father, into thy hands do I commend my spirit. He knows that the mighty work he had come to do is finished. It's accomplished, never to be repeated. It's finished forever. And now instead of sinking slowly into death, as I've seen people do so often, weaker and weaker to they can't even talk, the work is done. He's finished. He's cried that, and he rallies himself now and says, Father, into thy hands do I commend my spirit. Into thy hands. He cries out again for us. He is dying physically as a human. He, John tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He knows what it is to be born, certainly his father was God, there was the, the virgin, but he was born, he grew up, he was hungry, he was thirsty, he was tired, he slept, he felt pain, he felt suffering. His death was a real death. He died in our physical frame. He died 
for us. He died instead of us if we're believers. And he died as us. It's interesting when he cries to the Father. Matthew tells us that at that point he yielded up the ghost. That Greek word means he dismissed or he sent away. He's in control. He dismissed the spirit. King James says ghost. Mark and Luke tell us that he breathed out. He gave up. Literally, he breathed out the spirit. He was active in it. John tells us that he gave up. That word means he delivered up. He put it into the Father's hands, the Spirit. He's not dying here murdered against his will. He's the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep and for you and I. Laying down his life for you and I. He saw us and he knew us. He's laying down his life for us. And he gives us an example, not just how to live, but how to die as well. Interesting, it says, again, it's appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. And that's the course of every human being who doesn't know Christ. There's no escaping that. People can make fun of the church. They can make fun of you. They can claim they have their own way of getting there. Good luck. But the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. The only place that was reversed was here. It was appointed unto him to go through the judgment, then to die. And he did that for us. And our judgment is over. We will not die and then be judged. Our sins were judged on the cross. And then he died. And he showed us how to do it without judgment. Father, into thy hands I command my spirit in a human body. He makes that transition like we will. The soul and the spirit being separated from the body. I think of my dad when he passed, my mom. You know, there's just that time where you, you have to let go. And, and, you know, you're kind of coaching someone. You've never been through it before. You know, I mean, we're studying this this morning. I've been to Israel 30 times. I haven't died 30 times. It's not like I say, hey, this is a cinch, guys. You know, just pay attention to the text. It's a breeze. Don't worry about it. No, no. I'm sure we have a certain level of trepidation when we come to that moment. When we come to the place where we know we're taking our last breath, in regards to our entire faith, that's where the rubber meets the road. My sins are forgiven. I'm breathing my last. Lord, Father, you're on the other side of this, and I, I, there's nothing I can just, you know. Look, and some of you, if we, if we live the right way, we want to be able to do that. But some of you, griping, you may die griping and complaining. Father, I can't believe you're happening to this to me. Or, or Father, if you love me, why is this going? But you're at least griping to your father. The unbeliever can't do that. They can't even complain to their father. Jesus shows us if you live the way you should... You can die the way that you should. And he's removed the obstacle from us of dying in fear and in judgment. And we watch him here. He speaks of the father. And for all of us who have lived life with a good father, that has meaning to it. 
I feel bad for anyone who grew up in an abusive home and an abusive father. Jesus, because when he taught us to pray, he said, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven. He told us in the Sermon on the Mount 15 times about the Father. In John 13 to 17, the upper room discourse that we've studied together, he tells us about the Father 53 times. No Jew understood that. God was a father to Israel nationally, but never to an individual. And for you and I, it's, it's so important. Listen, Jesus is quoting, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Psalm 31, verse 5. And there are several other verses re- relating in that psalm. But Psalm 31, verse 5 says, Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Now the interesting thing is Jesus does what you and I are not allowed to do. He adds to the verse and he takes away from it. Because the verse says, into thine hands I commit my spirit. Jesus adds to that and says, Father, into thy hands do I commend my spirit. He is the word of God made flesh. He's allowed to do that. The second half of the verse then says, for thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. Jesus never had sin. He was never redeemed. So he quotes that part of the verse. Here's the interesting thing about that verse. And his, I think, his, his heart, it's hard, of course, to imagine this infinite, but his heart at that point. In Jewish tradition, and you can go back and study scholars, you can dig this up. One of the things at the end of the day, there was a song that Jewish children would sing, no doubt Jesus did as he grew up, and even the adults. Part of it was the Shema, but the last verse, the last stanza was always, into thy hands do I commend my spirit. Because they were getting ready to go to bed, getting ready to go to sleep. You know? Um, We, of course... Uh, have known things like that. We've taught our children those things. We prayed with them before they went to bed. Um, Even ourselves praying, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. You guys familiar with that? Everybody here? Pretty much. That's something Jesus had heard his entire life. And now, as he's there on the cross, he says it. His assurance, as ours, is the word of God in some wonderful way. In Father, into thy hands do I commend my spirit. And there's a warmness and a tenderness to this that really is remarkable. And he commends himself into the hands of the Father. Look, um, Luke 24, verses 6 and 7 tell us the, the hands have changed. There's a contrast that's set up here. 
the angel talking to the disciples said to the women, he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the son of man must be delivered, here it is, into the hands of sinful men and be crucified the third day and rise again. He had talked about it in Matthew 17, 26. He had talked about it in Acts. It's interesting, in Acts chapter 2, it tells us this. In verse 23, Peter preaching him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified him and slain him. He had been subjected to that. They were wicked hands that come and take him in the garden of Gethsemane. They're wicked hands that bind him. They're wicked hands that beat him. There are wicked hands then that stripped him naked. There are wicked hands that scourged him. There are wicked hands that put a crown of thorns upon his head. And there were wicked hands that had nailed him to the cross. And now the hands have changed. Father, into thy hands, plural, I commend my spirit. No more wicked hands. Never again. And look, he, he's, he's setting an example for us. As Mary Magdalene comes and finds him at the tomb, he says to her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I, as, I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and to your God. It says this in Galatians. It says that he has redeemed us who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Holy Spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. He wrote to the Romans, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So as he says it here, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He lays out a template for you and I because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he has been with you, speaking of himself. He shall be in you. And you and I, as we come to that last moment, are commending to the Father the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the new birth, the spirit of adoption, the spirit that has made us joint heirs with him and, and not our fallen nature, our struggling, the things that would condemn us. At that last moment, taking that last breath, Jesus shows us at that time, you, you commend yourself, yield, yield it, let it go again into the hand of the father. Again, my mom and dad watched them pass. He kind of coached them at the end. Let go. You can take your last breath. Leave go. I know you've never done it before. You have to let, and I watched, watched them both. Peace come. Gone. And Jesus lays it out for us. 
he commends himself into the Father's hands, yielded up the spirit, not killed, not a victim, a victor, delivered it up, gives it over to the Father. Important for us to say, look, human history, a lot of people have died. Alexander the Great, Nebuchadnezzar, the Pharaohs, you know, Napoleon, you know, whoever you think, you know, people, but they're not an example to us in this. The reason we want to listen to Jesus is because there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem. I've been there 30 years, doesn't look like I'm going to get there this time, but I've been there many times. And if there wasn't an empty tomb in Jerusalem, we wouldn't go there just to see a place where there were martyrs. What would be the point of making that journey all the way over there? The center of that is an empty tomb. So when Jesus shows us how to die, we should pay attention to that. There's a lot of other people may have their theories about it, or a lot of other people say, well, I don't care. You know, if, if he's there, I'm going to give my mind to the men upstairs. <laughs> we'll pray for you, my deceived friend. But, but we know how to die because he shows us. It says that we should walk worthy of the vocation that we're called to. And part of our vocation is that transition into our greater and truer life from this pilgrimage. Now look, when Balaam is hired by Balak to curse the children of Israel... At one point when the Holy Spirit's upon him, he says, oh, let me die the death of the righteous. There's something he sees about the children of Israel. He can't curse. And he speaks about the Spirit coming on them. And he says, as he watches it, let me die the death of the righteous. Now, no one's going to die the death of the righteous unless they live the life of the righteous. And that's a major problem because all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. So the only way you and I can live the life of the righteous is to let the righteous one live through us. You know, unbelievers need to understand we're not getting to heaven because we perform something. We're getting to heaven because he performed something. And he performed it as us, instead of us, and for us. And all of my sin that violates righteousness was paid for on the cross by Jesus Christ. And now I can die the death of the righteous. Because he died the death of the sinner in my place. But if you don't know Christ... What's your hope? You're not going to die the death of the righteous unless you live the life of the righteous through faith, through Christ coming into your heart. Daniel would say this. He said to, to Belshazzar, the king, thou hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines drink wine from them. Thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold. Imagine somebody praising gods of silver and gold besides our entire culture. Of brass and of iron, of wood and of stone, which see not, nor their hear not, nor their, neither do they know anything. And the God 
in whose hand, there's his hand again, the God in whose hand thy breath is and all thy ways thou hast not glorified. People have lived their lives like that. The very God, he says, in whose hand thy breath is, our next breath. Look, we're watching the news today. Your life can end on a day that you would never expect it to end. By a rocket, by a lightning strike, we've seen that recently. By a cardiac arrest, a terrible accident. And then we meet the God in whose hand our breath is, our very breath. Your next breath is under his sovereign provision. Hebrews again tells us it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God if we don't know him. People make fun of him. He is the living God. And if, again, if you're listening on radio, you're here this morning, he, Jesus does this and he cries out so we could hear it. He doesn't want anybody to die lost. That's why he came and he died on the cross. That's why he cried, it is finished. It's done. It's finished. I've paid the price for you because I love you. I died in your place so you don't have to die. I went to hell so you never have to go to hell. I was separated from the Father so you never have to be separated from the Father. And there's no one in this room today that will have an excuse because you've heard. Anyone who's listening anywhere, you've heard. He died for you. He died in your place. In fact, he died as you. And you can come to him. He loves you. And if you face eternity without him, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is not a fearful thing to fall into the hands of our Father of our Father. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. We've said that our whole lives. His whole life, he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. That was his evening. But he adds to it wonderfully, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I would say to you who are believers, look, there's certain things, certainly as, as we've gone through these weeks, looking at Christ on the cross, he's our example. He's our example in, in the way he passes into eternity, that's for sure. Um, wicked hands will never touch him again. Only loving hands, only his father's hands. It's all changed. But as we watch him, living in our skin, some of the things you may want to take note of is that before he gave up the ghost, he forgave his enemies. He forgave his enemies. And he lived his life as an example, we're told, for you and I. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. He forgave his enemies. And that's something we should do before we breathe our last. Why take that with you? 
Why have that burden? And see, as long as you're not forgiving someone, they have power over you. You can't stop thinking about them. They bug you. It chews at you. If you will forgive, and you can't do it on your own, but if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he's going to quicken your mortal body as, as well. The Holy Spirit that was in Christ when he cried out is the same Holy Spirit that's in us. So one of the things we see with him is he forgave his enemies, those that were nailing him to the cross. Father, forgive them. He gave freely to a repentant thief. Freely. A repentant thief. Problem is in our lives, and we have all kinds of thieves, those that steal our time, those that steal our reputation through slander, those who, you know, they steal our peace, they steal our money, they, you know, the problem is we don't really want to freely forgive them. But what about if they repent? If they say they're a Christian? Some of the, you know, some of us say, all right, you know, when we get to heaven, everything's going to be cool. Jesus didn't die that way. He gave freely to a repentant thief. And that's a challenge for us. But he's showing us how to die. He cared for his mother. We should care for our families. You guys, everybody here should have a will. Or the state takes everything, takes your kids. Do you have a will? You can write one up. You can go online now and do it, I guess. But everybody should have one, you know, so that your resources, your home, your kids, everything's kind of provided for. But understand this. If all you leave your kids is something that a lawyer needs to settle, you haven't left them anything at all. Leave them those things. Be practical. But Jesus left his mother and John an endowment that was eternal, that was wonderful. And yet he cared for the practical. We should do that, even with family that gets under our skin. And I know there's one couple in church that has a family that gets under their skin. I've not heard of it anywhere else. But And the other way that he died is this. He finished the work that God gave him to do. All of us want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, you can't say the word Lord without being a servant doesn't go together. You can say Jesus because you want fire insurance. You don't want to go to hell. I understand perfectly. I want fire insurance. But beyond that, you can't say the word Lord unless you're identifying who he is. And in that, you're identifying who you are. And you want that to be a good and faithful servant. And he was able to say to the Father, it's done forever. I finished. It is finished. It is finished. And what a wonderful way for you and I when we take our last breath to just feel like, you know, as Paul said, I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And not for me only, but for all those who love the Lord's appearing. And we want to hear, well done. Well done. 
How long will we live? Do you have moments left before a rocket slams into our life somewhere? Do you have days left? Hours? How much time do you have left? And can you say, Father, into thy hands? You know, Paul would be able to say this, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul, who tells us, I'm the, I'm the greatest of sinners, I'm, I'm the least You know, I'm the one who murdered the church. I'm the one who made people blaspheme the name of Jesus at the point of a sword. I have more guilt on my conscience than anyone has ever had on their conscience. But he saved me. He forgave me. He called me his son. And he drew me into his arms. And I am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Are you persuaded? That's the way we want to go, isn't it? It's a homecoming. It's not a leaving. It's a coming home. And Paul has done more than we have to be condemned about. Jesus here giving us this great demonstration of how to pass out of this world. He had finished everything the Father had given him to do. And he says, Father... Into thy hands do I commend my spirit. And he bows his head and yields the spirit into the Father's hands. Remarkable. I hope, you know, and pray that if the Lord does tire, I mean, you know, I would rather get raptured. I'd you know, rather, you know, the trumpet blow and I get caught up out of here until, you know, that this is one verse I don't have to, you know, put into practice, as it were. And that could happen any minute. You know, you and I have the blessed hope. Going through the tribulation is not the blessed hope. Christ coming for us is the blessed hope. And that's what we have. But if he tarries, and I don't believe he's going to. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. I don't believe he's going to. But if he tarries. And I take my last breath. If I die suddenly or I die under the care of a physician, however that process might be. I know his grace will be there. For me to say, Father, same spirit that was in Christ. Father, into thy hands do I command my spirit. And to let go. And to go home. To go home. This mess will be over. One second on the other side, everything is right. Everything's glorious. It's beautiful. It's filled with light. There's no darkness. There's no hatred. There's no sin. There's no death. There's no suffering. There's no pain. One second on the other side. We should just say, Abba, Dad, here I come. Right? Here I come. Let's stand. Let's pray together. 
And I encourage you, if you don't know Christ, you're not sure how you're going to die. Come up and pray with us after the service. We'd love to give you a Bible and talk to you and give you some literature to read. We don't want your email or your phone number or nothing. And if you're listening somewhere online or on radio somewhere, please do the same thing. Ask him to forgive your sins. We really want you to do that. Father, I know you've overheard. We look to you, Lord. We, we journey through these things, Lord. Your word is alive. It's powerful. It rises off the page. It speaks to us. And Lord, sometimes we're poor stewards over those things that you might give to us on a Sunday morning. And by Monday, it seems to have gone out the window in traffic or some other way, Lord. But sow this deep inside of us. Let it bring forth 30, 60, and 100-fold. Lord, we thank you that on the cross, you verbalized. You spoke in human hearing the things you would have us pay attention to 2,000 years later. And that you demonstrated passing into the Father's hands for us. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you and we pray in your name. Amen.